in the, uh, your Bibles to the book of Haggai. Some of you are wondering uh, how to pronounce that book. Me too. Uh, that's the way I pronounce it. Anyone else who pronounces it differently is wrong. Um, that's not true. Uh, book of Haggai, you there yet? Come on. Um, this morning, as we go to the book, I want to I, I want to just share with you that I think that in the book of Haggai that we will find some of the great answers for our life, some of the things that we struggle with. I know often I ask the question, you know, how do you get ahead? How do you get ahead? Uh, how how do you get ahead in this life? And not just ahead financially, but that we would be able to have all that we need, to be prepared for all that we need, to simply be at the right place and not feel like we're always behind. Getting ahead, um, most of us, when we say getting ahead, we're saying that we don't want to get behind. Um, much of my life is that feeling of, I didn't finish what I was supposed to do today, so now i got to doubly work hard. Now, I think I can get it, but there's this sense of running faster and faster and faster and never have that feeling where I have gotten ahead. The other thing that I, I think of often, and I've heard uh, different people use this terminology and say this, but they want the feeling of being blessed, being blessed. In fact, I've seen people who... Uh, Maybe you don't trust in God at all, but they would say, my life has been blessed. My life has been blessed. And when I think about what I want, uh, even in this week of Thanksgiving, that's what I want my life to be, is a life that is blessed. This morning, as we look at the book of Haggai, uh, these issues will be uh, handled and uh, will identify with God's people who struggle with these same questions if I were to ask you this week, what are you going to do? Um, some of you go, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. Others of you would think through your schedule. I know what I'm going to do. This day I'm going to go to work. I have family coming in or I'm going to go certain place. I have these goals and dreams of what's going to happen this week. Whether they happen or not, that's a different sermon. You know, uh, That's always a frustrating thing when we have all these dreams and goals for a week and then... Uh, it comes to Saturday and we look over our week and go, nothing nothing turned out this week. The question this morning is what's going to make it on your schedule? What's going to be a priority for you this week? And it, it's always hard to make a, a schedule or a priority because uh, we never have enough time to do everything. Uh, I know that you, you have that same struggle as I do. We have a list of things to do, and then we have days to do it in. And the list is always longer than the hours allotted in the days ahead. Um, this is a struggle of life uh, that the book of Haggai uh, brings into focus. I want to read to you, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first 11 verses in the book of Haggai. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, 
and to the Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, on the hills of the grain, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, the ground which uh, brings forth on man and beast and on their labors. God, I ask that you would direct our thoughts uh, through your spirit in your word right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. May we be seated. So God's people were in captivity. They'd been taken away the... They had been ripped out of their homes, out of their city, and taken into captivity. And now they're back in Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed much of their city. He'd ransacked the place. And so now they were coming back, and they were in their homes. They were to establish their city once again. In the midst of this, you have this little book, of the book of Haggai, and if you look to the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's kind of the same uh, time in the, the history of God's people. They were rebuilding the walls. They were called to rebuild the temple. In this, uh, the people were in a drought. They were in poverty. They were struggling for existence. And I would even say it this way, they were stressed out. And... When I use the word stress, uh, I think that every time I use it, some of you are going, oh yeah, you're talking about me. Uh, uh, one of the children of uh, Bear Valley Church uh, told on their mom uh, in the church office, and uh, you know, just a little girl, and she comes in and she goes, my mom is so stressed. You know, uh, Little brats don't know when to keep their mouth shut, you know. Uh, um, you know, we we do stress. We do stress. And God's people were stressed. They were wondering uh, what to do. You know, when things get tough, what do you do? Uh, you start plotting and planning how things would get better. If you don't get everything on your list done for today, you say, well, I'm going to get up an hour early tomorrow. 
Um, and I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out a way to get ahead. Undoubtedly, this is uh, some of the thoughts of God's people. In God's word, um, Haggai had a message. And you remember the prophets, God wanted to speak to his people. And so he takes a prophet and he uses the prophet to communicate to his people. And so this is what Haggai was. If you look at verse 2 uh, in the book of Haggai, you see this. Um, Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. When I hear that, I go, it doesn't sound rebellious. It doesn't sound rebellious. It doesn't sound like there's anything wrong with that statement at all. It's just not yet time to rebuild the house of the Lord. God's temple. You can picture a, a son with his father uh, walking in the city of Jerusalem. And they're, they're going to, you know, a place, the tent maker's house, or they're going to um, a place where they're going to buy food. They're walking through the city. And what do they do? Boy and his father are walking along. They might even be hurrying or they might be moseying. I don't know. And the son goes, hey, dad, hey, dad. Yes, son. He said, what's that? What's that? What's this place over here? And the dad goes, oh, that's the temple. That's the temple. The temple? What's the temple, dad? I really haven't seen a temple before. Oh, you know, it's that thing I told you about. It's a place where God's people go to worship. God's people go to worship there, dad? You know how kids are. million questions. Well, yeah, that, that you, well, you used to be the temple, but back when your, your, your grandparents and we, we got taken into captivity many years ago, this is where they used to worship. And the son looking around, he goes, oh, well, but dad, this place has been rebuilt. You know, the place where we buy food over there, that that's looking right. Our home looks right. My, my cousins and everybody else around me, everything looks right. But what's the deal with the temple? And he says, son, we just haven't gotten there yet. We'll rebuild it someday. We, we just have, it just hasn't come to the right time where we have the time and money uh, to really go about doing it the way it should be done. So it lays there. And he says, yeah, but dad... Aren't we supposed to worship God in the temple? Well, why why hasn't it been done? And he says, son, it's just not time yet. And you can imagine how they would get together as families or even in the community. And they would talk and they would say, yeah, we're going to get to that someday. But not today. we we got other things to do. And God says, you know, that's the problem. That's the problem. It didn't make it on your schedule. In construction, you always have to have a schedule, right? Why do you have to have a schedule in construction? It's real simple. Uh, you got to uh, have a foundation and walls before you put the roof on. You know, you, know, you can't put the roof on first. Uh, that it has to go in order. And in construction, you know, the, the, the people that are in construction always 
are concerned about the schedule because at the end of the, the project, you got to ask the question, what's the next job? Because you need a next job. That's the way we do life, right? We have a schedule. We have things that are important to us. And what's interesting about our schedule, and, and this is hard for us, any of us to grasp, is that what, what is our priority in our schedule? Do you know what your priorities are? It's real simple to find out. It's what you do. It's what you do. If you do it, it's important to you. And you say, well, that's not exactly true. I have priorities that I don't do. Then it wasn't a priority. That's so hard for me to get through in my mind. Because if you're like me, if I would write down my priorities, they would look one way. And yet, if you would look at my life, it might be different than my priorities. There there would be a difference there. And God looks at his people, his people that he had brought out of captivity, that he'd reestablished them in their home, their land, their city. And he says, these people say to me, it's not come time. It's not that we won't build. It just hasn't come the time that we would rebuild. As we hear that, um, we move on and it says this, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And he asked this question, verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Wow. Wow. Uh, being a, a kid who grew up in the 70s, uh, the idea of paneled houses kind of is a, uh, something that's not that great. Uh, I think of that wood, that dark wood, really thin and looked cheap, kind of looked like the side of a station wagon. Um, but um, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, consider yourself fortunate, you know, that you, you didn't get the paneling days. What that was, it, it points to... A beautiful, intricate home, a custom home. It's the idea of wainscoting, if you will, or something beautiful on the wall. It was the idea that it was beyond just a place to live. It was beyond just uh, the idea that we were covered from the snow and the rain. It, It was more than that. And you get the picture that... As they came out of captivity and as they came back to their city, to their homes, to the place that they were living, God's people in God's city, in God's land. As they came back to that, you have to ask the question, well, what do we do now? What's that first priority? And their first priority was to get their home established and not just get their home established, but get it established the way they like it. I think about uh, how we do that. <coughs> Something that's beautiful. Uh, men, is your garage beautiful? Is, is there a sense where, you know, and there is a be- there's beautiful garages. You know that, right, men? Yeah, it's where, you know, you think you, you have just an empty garage. And as you move into the house, you say, well, this is where my workbench is going to be. 
And these are where my tools are going to be right here. And they're, they'll all be displayed like, you know, like we're in Home Depot and the, it's just be beautiful. And, and this is where I'm going to work. And I need a good stool so I can sit here and tinker around. And you know what? I need a radio too, because I like to listen to the game while I'm out here. And I need a lock on the door so my wife will stay inside. Um, I need, I need, and you start lining it out of exactly like you want it. Sometimes some of you men are going, I don't do that. Yeah. Others of you, uh, you say, you know what? I just need a new TV for my house. I need a 90 by 90 jumbotron, you know, I need something because then when I watch and then you get the, the TV and you go, Oh, but my chair's not looking all that great. Maybe I need a new chair and, you know, maybe I need to get one of those chairs where, where the remote has its own spot and the chips and dip have their own spot and the, the cool, you know, and, and then I can finally watch the game. I get it all set up the way I want it. As I think about that, uh, God is not attacking so much getting things the way you want it as he is with the priorities of what you do first. Where, where's your priority? You know what? What we do first is our priority. As we look at this passage, <coughs> he says, is that the time? Is that the priority right now? Is that the most important thing? And then he says, um, he, he turns to them and you look at the end of verse 5. He says, consider your ways. And what he's doing is he's saying, this is what's happened. You haven't rebuilt the temple. You have taken care of setting up your home the way you want it, the, the way that you desire. You haven't rebuilt the temple. You've done that. Let's talk about, I want you to reflect. I want you to turn your eyes to how that's working out in your life. What's the present state of living for you in your home? In verse 6, it says this, You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put it in a bag with holes. Get that picture? It's like he's got his bag, his money bag, and he's going, man, I, I, you know, I need to get ahead. I, I need to get that place. And so he takes the money, he puts it in. He takes the money, he puts it in. And as he's doing that, there's a hole, and it's just trickling out. It's just trickling out. And as he, he says, I, I'm working really hard, I'm, I'm doubling up. I'm, I'm, and, it, and what happens? It just trickles out behind him. I think we understand this, right? You're working hard for nothing. And he says, consider your life or consider your ways. If you skip down, um, you'll see this uh, again, the same idea of what is going on. Uh, verse 9, he says this, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Wow. Um, as I As I consider that, I go, I know that feeling of working hard and it's not working, working hard, but it's not working. And you say, well, why? Why was it not working? If you can see, think of this as a farmer, 
um, which probably most of them were, and they were working their, their crops. He says, you know, I'm going to work really hard. We had a drought last year. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to make this happen. In fact, I'm going to plant more crops, and I'm going to tend to them more, and so we'll have an abundance. And guess what happens? The drought was bad last year. Now it's worse this year. And all your work, you worked harder, and it still didn't produce. This feeling, and, and you say, well, why? Why isn't it working? So often we like to say, well, Mother Nature, Mother Nature, you know. Who is Mother Nature? Where does she live? You know, who is that lady? How'd she get to be my mother? You know, uh, um, we like to say Mother Nature. Or we say, oh, you know, it's just by chance. It's just by chance it didn't work out. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Is just sometimes things go that way. No one knows. Other times we we like to say, "Well, it's the economy, stupid." You know, uh, you know, it's just the economy. We're in a bad economy, and that's that's just what things happen. And like like the economy, uh, no one knows how it works or why it goes that way, or like it's just this big cloud that just does whatever it wants. It's the economy. Oh yeah. Makes a lot of sense. God says, it's not the economy. It's not the weather. It's not the drought. It's not anything else. It's me. God says, it's me. He says, you know why you're in a mess right now? Because I'm working against you. You bring it in. You know what I do? I blow it away. He says, you know, this is what happens. I love you. I care for you. And this is going to be hard for us to see this morning. Um, God loves his people. God loves his people. This is, um, you could label this message also, frustrated success. Frustrated success. It's the idea that you're wanting to be successful. You're working hard. You're doing everything. And that yet you're frustrated in it. Why? God says, I'm doing it. I'm involved. He says, I'm not just involved. I'm the one. I'm the reason why. And, and you say, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, I know uh, some of you have watched the news and you, you know of billionaires. You don't know them personally. If you do, maybe you should introduce us all to your billionaire friends. But most of us don't know billionaires. We read them in the news and most of us are jealous of them. Most of them see an injustice there. We're like, why did that person get billions of dollars? Why didn't God give it to, I could, I could handle it. You know, I, I would be a much better steward of billions of dollars than that guy would be. I know people, I know missionaries and people in need. I'd be much better as a billionaire. Why didn't God do that? As we look at those things, as we consider those we pull back to this text and we say, well, why weren't they? Was it because of the economy or the weather or whatever? No. It was because God was working against them as his people. He says, he goes on uh, <coughs> in verse 10, he says, Therefore the heavens above you withheld the dew and the earth withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, on the new wine and the oil, and on the ground bring forth on man and on beast and on all their labors. I figured it out. I figured out what's wrong. 
I've been working hard and God's been working against me. Um, It doesn't seem right, does it? It seems like if I'm God's person, if I'm his son or his daughter, that he would just bless me. He'd He'd watch me work and then he'd come around and he'd bless me. He doesn't do that. He didn't do that. And as we look at this passage, we want to ask the question, why? Well, what do you think the heart was in his people at that time? We already talked about um, the they were going about doing everything. It just never got on the schedule that that would happen. Well, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? They, as they walked by the temple, they wouldn't say, oh, I'm never going to do that. They say, ah, it's just not time. Maybe even some would say, somebody should take care of that. Somebody should take care of that. I, I say that all the time, whether I'm walking around church here, whether I'm in my office thinking about Bear Valley Church, whether I'm at home, whether I'm in our community. I, I just look at things that are needing to be done. and go, somebody should take care of that. And then I look, oh, but I'm too busy right now. I got too many things to do. I, I you know, it, I would, I, I'm going to do that once I get this taken care of. Um, somebody should take care of that. That was the problem. Um, maybe the other attitude that came out in them was, um, I, I will if I have any time left over. I will when I have some extra money, extra money. See, this is the problem of schedules and priorities, isn't it? Um, if we'd write down all our priorities and then we would take our time and resources and we'd say, let them match, guess what would happen? We would run out of time and resources before the things that we said we loved were taken care of. And so what has to happen is that we have to say, this is more important than this. I will do this, but I won't do this. I have to say no to this so I can really do this. Because this is most important. But what happened is they took that which was most important and make made it secondary. As you look at, at this... Um, this passage, you, you see that they were looking to give God their leftovers. They were looking to give God their leftovers. If I have some time, if I have some money left over, God, you can have it. I, I want to tell you, there, there's no leftovers to life, is there? There's not a whole lot of free time or, or extra money. Um, and God says, am I a priority to you? As you look at this, uh, you see the Lord revealing why this is a, uh, so important to him. <coughs> he says in the uh, middle of verse 9, he says, I blew it away. Why did you blow it away, God? Declares the Lord, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Hey, I'm busy. I I got things to do. I I have other priorities. And he says, yes, while my house lies in ruin. As you look at that, um, we need to ask the question, what's the big deal about the temple? 
Well, the big deal about the temple is it's different than in the New Testament. He re, he points us to uh, his body and, and our bodies as the temple and that we worship him uh, through uh, Jesus Christ and in the spirit. And yet God's people in the Old Testament would gather at the temple. God would reside in the temple. And that was important. And we don't even know, we don't have all this data if they were trying to worship at home or not. But the idea there being is, Hey, this is an add-on. This is an add-on to my life. If I have some time, this is where I'm going. And God says, this is my temple. This is my house. This is the prayer. I thought you wanted to worship me. I'm the one who brought you out of captivity. I'm the one who made you into a people. I gathered you to myself. And you're saying, I'll get to you when I can. This is the reason. And I want to even say it this way, that God shows them, he says, this is what I made you for, to worship me. This is what, this is what I made to be at the center of your priorities, me and you. We see that uh, this was not their priority, but this is what it says. It goes on in verse 12. <laughs> then Zerubbabel, son of Shilti, and Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. What a beautiful thing. You know what? Um, no big deal, right? They were struggling. They didn't know what was wrong. Uh, they didn't get it. Where the Lord comes to them, through prophet Haggai, he comes and he says, Hey, this is the problem. They go, I got it. I got it. We'll obey. We'll obey. Beautiful obedience. You know what? Um, you don't want to fight against the Lord. You don't want to fight against the Lord. If he is working against you, you will not succeed. You will not succeed. You want to get in step with what he's doing. His priority was the temple. So you think through, well, what should my priority be? The temple. The temple. He wants his temple rebuilt. I want his temple rebuilt. He, he says everything else is secondary. I want everything else to be secondary. Rebuild the temple. We have four messages from the Lord. The first one, these are put into months, if you will. And so maybe it would be helpful for you. That was August, the sixth month. Uh, as you move on in chapter 2, you see uh, in October, this, the whole uh, book of Haggai was written in four months. Okay, It was just a four-month period of time, not a, not a long period of time like many other books. Chapter 2, verse 1, in the seventh month of the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came to the, by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. And what he, what he talks about, and this is part of the working out of what the what would happen in the minds of the people. So the, the previous temple was beautiful. It was, it was a, a place of wealth. It had gold and silver and it was intricate and, and just beautiful. It was destroyed and the wealth was taken out of it. And so it was just a heap of rubble. And so part of what they were probably thinking in their mind was, hey, the, the temple can't be rebuilt because we don't have any money. We don't have any money for this. It's a drought, did you know? We, we don't have any money for this. 
<laughs> and they say that I'd heard from my grandparents and the previous generations it's been passed how beautiful it was. We could never do that. It just won't work. And so the word of the Lord comes to Haggai and says this. If you look at in this section here in verse seven, he says, I will shake all the nations. The picture here is this, and this is an important principle for us to remember. It's not as God is a bully, but you get the picture of a bully coming to the kid for uh, his lunch money, right? He says, hey, kid, give me your lunch money. And the kid says, I don't have any lunch money. Uh, And he says, oh, yeah. And he grabs the kid. He turns him upside down and he shakes and the money just falls out. God says, I'm going to do that to the nations. I'm going to do that to the nations. I'm going to shake them and the money will fall out. And you say, well, wait a minute here. I can't see where the money's going to come from. I can't see how, how this would all work out. We don't have the resources or time. And yet God says, I'll shake and it'll come. In fact, you look at that next verse. In verse 9, he says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. That's the difference between him and anybody else, right? Uh if you want to get this picture, if I were to go up to Mr. Jackson here, Mr. Craig Jackson, the lovely Craig Jackson, that'll be done after this week. I promise you. Talk to Tom. And uh, you may think this is like our government, but this is if I had to take his wallet and say, just grab, grab his wallet and say, hey, Mr. Jones, here, use this for the Lord's work. His whole wallet. Everyone go, it's like our government. The only difference is this. What's in Mr. Jackson's pocket, the resources that is in his life is God's. And God just does whatever he wants. The silver and the gold is his. You know, it's interesting. Um, You know, Mr. Jackson, if he'd know if it was the Lord's work, he'd willingly do that. He he could see that because he's God's person. He's been changed by the gospel. But it, really, it's much greater than that. It's just going up to some random house here. Because <laughs> God owns that stuff too. That's his too. And, and you get this picture that this is not... So, and, and you start thinking about it that way. You go, so God doesn't really have a financial problem, does he? He's not limited in any way. Like He just sees it all as his resources. And he does. And so as he looks that... <laughs> as they were limited in their scope. I just want to catch this last um, verse 9. He says, the, uh, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former glory. And they're going, I don't know how that's going to work. I'll show you. Uh, it's the silver's mine. I'll shake the nations. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. You know what? When we're all stressed out about money and whatever else is going on, guess what? There's no peace. There's no peace. But when you know there's one who has it taken care of and he doesn't struggle with resources, he says, relax. I got it. I can do this. and You can't see how I'm going to do it, but I can shake the nations. I own it all. And so peace comes from that. By the way, I don't think they had peace. You know, I think they were frantic inside. What are we going to do? Goes on to the 
<coughs> next message. Um, and as we went from October, now we're in December. In December, you, you look at it. Um, so, so this is what happens. So if you're a farmer, uh, what, what do farmers do? They plant, they tend to their, their fields, um, and then they harvest. When does a farmer take vacations? Not often, to be honest with you. Uh, they're tending to their flocks. Well, you know, you know, I just feel like I need a sabbatical. You know, fields, you stay there. Uh, livestock, you stay there. And I'll be back in a month. I'll be back in a month. Can't do it. Can't do it. And so you get this picture. So, uh, okay, we're ready to obey. We're ready to obey. We're ready to rebuild the temple. How's that going to work out? Um, I, I was nervous about the fields and the drought and everything. And it didn't come to pass. And if I leave my fields, how can I leave my fields and go build the temple? It just doesn't seem like it's going to work. The struggle with that. And this is what God says as he promises. And as he shows them, he says this. <coughs> Excuse me. At the end of uh, chapter 18 or uh, chapter 2, verse 18. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have yielded nothing. He says, that's what's happened I want you to reflect on your past. I want you to see what's going on here. You, you've got nothing. You've worked hard. You've got nothing. And then he says this. It must have shocked him. But from this day on, I will bless you. I'll bless you. You got nothing. You've worked hard. You got nothing. Called you to rebuild my temple. I will bless you. I will be the one. God says, I, I got it all. I can take care of this. You, you know, we don't, to be honest, we don't like this. We like for us to work hard, us to do it, and then us to be proud of it and that we've taken care of ourselves. And, and God says, I'm the one. I'm the one. If you receive a blessing, it'll come through me. I'll be the one to, to bring it to you. It's not that you won't participate. It's not that you won't be active and diligent and disciplined. But I want to tell you, I will be the one to bless you. There's a single source of the, the blessings of the Lord. It's Him. It's not you. It's not me. Um, it, it's interesting. Every Thanksgiving, this happens in uh, in schools and churches throughout the world where they celebrate Thanksgiving. Yes, little kids, who they're, what, what they're thankful for. And some little kid will say, I've heard this over and over. I heard it from my own kids. I've heard it from others. I'm thankful for me. <laughs> thankful for me. And kids aren't embarrassed enough because they say that. Uh, adults, we were we won't say that, but that's the way some of us are. You know, we're thankful that I'm so awesome. You know, 
uh, like we are the ones that have somehow accomplished great things and we are the ones that deserve the praise. I want to tell you that God blesses you that you would see that and that you would praise him. That's what he does. That's what he showed them. He says, you know, you remember, you remember, you see that you don't have what you need. I will bless you. I will be the one. Last message (coughs) that was in December, if you will. Um, Once again, on December, uh, the book of Haggai, we look the last section there, starting in verse 20. And this is so hard for us to get. So he says, look, um, I'm going to bring peace. I've got all the resources I need and I will be the one to bless you. And now he uh, has one last message for them. And it's an interesting one. Um, Most of us want to be great and be thought of in some way. Uh, we, we like to be the one that rides in on the, the horse and saves the day. We like the idea of a cape and us being a superhero with superpowers. We, we like all that. <coughs> and we want to be significant and we push to be significant. And yet, uh, most of us that live in the real world, in reality, we go, yeah, my life doesn't amount to much. My life doesn't amount to much at all. I just kind of feel like I want to do great things, but it just never seems to happen. This is so interesting how he ties up this book, this message to God's people, and specifically to Zerubbabel. He says this, uh, you look down at verse 23, he says, On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, And make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. What's interesting to me is that in in our lives, we seek to be significant and we're not. We're not. We want to be great and even our great things that we do are just a bit of a mess. And then as God humbles us and he brings us, we see our, our bankruptcy and we go, how could God ever use me? And he says, look, Zerubbabel, you're supposed to lead to rebuild the temple and you didn't. But now you're walking with me again. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you a signet ring. And what, what the picture of a signet ring is, it's the, the ring of the king. And when you see the imprint of the king, you realize that's going to happen because the king said so. And it's the idea that he is changing things. He is putting things in motion. He is bringing it down. He is ordering it and it's going to happen. In fact, this ring was so cherished that many times the king would not wear it. He would put it on his bodyguard. And when he wanted to bring it down, he says, hey, give me the ring. And he puts a ring on and he says, bam, there it is. He says, this is when things are happening. I use my signet ring. And he says, Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you the signet ring. That's, that's what you're going to be. My servant. The one, the one that is now obeying and walking with me and has my priorities and is following after me. I'm going to, I'm going to use you greatly. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Especially for people from Tehachapi, right? The capital of insignificance, right? Uh, we, we, you know, we, we, you go, I don't know if anything. Hey, God, th- this is what God does. 
This is what God does. He has all the resources that we could ever imagine. He, he's working in his plan. And as we have his priorities and we follow along with him, he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to do great things. Um, obviously, this message is one that we should struggle with. Uh, I know that in various ways this has uh, caused me um, you know, to try to think through what's going on both in our home and in my life. And, and I want you to get this real clear. I want you to get the, what God's doing and what he wants us to do, we want to be a part of. Not in a sense of as an afterthought, if we have time, but as a priority. And trust that God will take care of all the rest of the things in our lives. This is the God that we serve. He's the God of blessing. He has all our resources. He can take care of us. Trust me. Trust him. Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time and your word. And God, I ask that you would help us uh, to think this through, that your spirit would guide us in the application. Uh, God, you know what's going on in our hearts and lives. I pray that our priorities are yours. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.